0: It's Overtime with Jonathan Peterwin. Glad to be with you guys here on this Tuesday. I usually never bring Michael Bowman out of the gate, and I don't even know that I'm going to right now, by the way. We got a lot of Nick Chubb we got to discuss, a lot of things we have to discuss. But the man has gone rogue tonight. I don't know what's going on over here. He comes on in. He's got salad, which is great. Congratulations for throwing some greens in the mix. You know, I always... uh, I always applaud that. I'm on a salad kick right now, even though if you were to judge, you probably be like, yeah, you're not on a salad kick. It's because the weekends go horribly for me. But like during the week, we're doing all right, eating salads, we're getting through. And, uh, you come on in and you ask, you ask if that's Nick's ranch in the fridge there and whether or not you can borrow a little bit. There's no such thing as borrowing ranch. If you borrow ranch, you are taking the ranch. Now I understand the predicament that you're in. For whatever reason, you've ended up with the salad without dressing. I don't know if that's because you brought the salad from home, or if that's because you bought it somewhere else and then they didn't give you the, the dressing, which is gotta be one of the worst combinations you can have. I, I don't know how you got in this predicament, but I think for your sake, it might almost be better if you just went down to the the store that is like, like the restaurant that is right like I don't know. You could throw a baseball and hit it. From here, and go down there and buy like a dollar fifty's worth of ranch or whatever it is. I don't know what they would charge you, but it'd be better off than taking someone's ranch in the fridge here. That's my that's my advice to you. All right, now hear me out. Yeah, I'm hearing. First and foremost. Oh wow, we got a first and foremost. I like where this is going. (laughs) Uh. I think that Nick would be okay if I took a little bit of his ranch. I think he would, He's had entire containers of ranch taken before. This is nothing. (laughs) I think you, if you asked him, he'd say yes. Secondly. There's nothing anyone hates more than showing up and then being like, my ranch was much more. It was filled. It was filled with ranch. And then you know what happens? Then I end up getting blamed for it. Because for some reason at night, all the blame goes towards me. I do nothing at night here. I do absolutely not. I eat two bananas during most shows, and I have one at, like, 9 o'clock, one at, like, 10 o'clock, and I take the banana peel and I throw it away in the trash can. and That is the only time I use the trash can. And I get blamed for everything at night, literally everything. So it would come back on me, Michael. I know it would. Secondly, I didn't know whether there actually was ranch or not. I asked you, does Nick still keep ranch in the
1: fridge? I bet he does. I think thirdly, he does.
0: He might take it home. I don't know.
1: Thirdly, I do not know how – if. There was only a little bit of ranch left. I would have been respectful. I would not have taken it
0: and killed it. Oh all. no, that's a good part of this equation. If you, if you go to, and you're stealing is what you're doing here. Let's be honest about it. If you're going to steal. I'm stealing condiments. If you're stealing Nick Wilson's ranch, uh, is it okay to steal if the bottle looks more full than if it's close to empty? Lastly, there's, there's nothing worse. There's nothing worse than you thinking you have enough ranch for the next day and then coming and seeing your bottle of ranch and it not having enough for yourself, your own personal bottle that you have. But also, hold on, here's where I'm going to side with you for just a second. And first off, I think this can all be resolved. If you text Nick, which is funnier to me, if you haven't texted Nick in a very long time, and the only thing you ask is, "Can can I have some of your ranch dressing? I think that's great. But if you leave something in a work fridge... Kind of on you if something happens to it, right? Now, I would never take anyone's uh, condiments, but it is kind of on you. you. You are open to that being a possibility if that happens. Now, do you feel like there are community items stored in the fridge? Yeah, I haven't I looked tonight. Like, I don't remember I think, what's in there. So I'm, I'm always worried about this. So on the other side, on the sales side, right? They always have all sorts of beverages. They have beer over there. They have all sorts of soda. They have all sorts of different things. That's definitely community. I don't know that it is, though. I mean, I, I think they put it out there with the idea that it's community. And there's been weekends where I've been, say, pretty thirsty. And I've, I've been, I've been, you know, in one of those beers in between, uh, You know, a little bit of a, I don't know, hour four to hour five of CBS Sports Radio. It's not drinking on the clock. It's just having a single beer to go ahead and, you know... Nice Saturday. Enjoy your beer, right? But I, I'd feel awful if it turned out that that wasn't a communal thing, and no one's ever sent me an email saying that it is.
1: They have events down there. I, I'm pretty – I'm assuming that they – You
0: think that's all fair game?
1: I mean, like, that's the only reason that sometimes a they place had, like that in office space would uh, – Sometimes they beer. have Diet
0: Coke, and I love I love Diet Coke. You know I love Diet Coke. Yeah. They have in the past had things out Diet like – They Diet Coke like John Daly drinks Diet Coke. They, uh, they have had things in the past, though, where they have signs like, uh, Help Yourself. The stuff that's just sitting. That's up. what they should have. They should have signs. They should tell us what's going on. I don't, because yeah. then you end up in this situation. I would bet. Go over there first. Go over there and see if there's ranch dressing or something over there, and then make your way back steal over from, here. Steal from sales before Nick. That's right. And if you text Nick and he doesn't he's have ranch in dressing, the hierarchy. He's got to have. That's got to be his ranch dressing. There's there's no way that it isn't. Well, I am gonna check the fridge just to see, regardless, just out of curiosity. How about this? How about you take the ranch dressing and then we'll blame Jake, okay? How about that? Just say, oh yeah, Jake. Jake was having a big old salad. But uh, so, lastly, I was going to see Nick tomorrow because I'm back, back at it again, baby. Uh, tomorrow. Are, so, are you with me tomorrow, or are you with them tomorrow?
1: Well, I'll see him. Hopefully, in passing. In the transition. Yeah, I mean, I saw him today. He
0: let me in today. Well, what's that conversation look like? Like, uh, here's, uh, here's fifty cents. I took a couple, couple squirts of your ranch. I think it depends on whether I actually took ranch or not. And so that's still TBD. All
1: right. But I think I would have been forthcoming about it because hey, it's you're, such you're, a minuscule
0: thing to Your like dime, play. your dance for. Your dime, your dance for. We'll find <laughs> Except out. Except I'm why. not the one who exposed the uh the scheme, the ploy. I wasn't getting blamed for it. I get blamed for everything at night. Literally everything falls on my shoulders. The things people accuse me of at night is astonishing. When I I love it the most when I'm not even working at night and I'm off all that week, and then I'll get emails and be like, hey, I don't know who stunk up the room last night, but, uh, JP, you got to get that in order. And it's like, I wasn't even working. I was off. It's not even on me, man. It's not even on me. I'm over here. You saw during uh, after the one email we got where people thought it was a little dirty, and then they were just blaming everybody. And then all of a sudden, you saw me. I was out here with like the little uh, clean wipes, just making sure that everything got wiped down. And every I just want everyone to get along. I want everyone to be all right. I'm over here. I basically in between segments was just I was my own. I was the I was the cleaning person. Is all it was, just to make sure that the bobblehead stopped having dust on it because I didn't want people to have to deal with that. That's where I was. All right. Anyway. Let's get after it tonight. There's a ton to get into and a ton to discuss. What well, I want to start with you guys is whether or not, well, really, it's a, it's an overarching conversation about the running back position, but I'm going to drag Nick Chubb into it because I feel like that's where we need to go. Austin Eckler sounded off on the running back contracts, right? He said, you, you poke the bear and you're going to make us have to do something, which seemed like a threat, like he's threatening them, That what? The extreme scenarios, all the really good running backs do a hold-in and not play for a few weeks? The scab running backs play since there will always be scab running backs? That's just how life works? I don't know what the threat is, but I was thinking about it. And really, it's where the NFL conversation has been over the previous 24 hours is... How do we fix the running back situation? Is the running back situation something that is beyond fixable? Is there even anything that we can do? And I was thinking back to a show I did on CBS Sports Radio, and I had this caller call in, and and this guy was suggesting that they change out the scales for when you draft a running back and what the payment is. And you let it be basically like the, the contract Sam Bradford side, where it could just be $50 million and nobody can think twice about it. And they can get paid early as opposed to late. And I was like, it's a good idea in theory, but it's not a good idea in practice. Because when you actually try to see that thing through, it's not going to work out the same way that you think. Because B. John Robinson is not going to be drafted eighth overall to the Falcons. That's just the reality is not going to be there for him. Uh, Instead, teams would wait until the fifth or sixth round. Even though he's a great talent, they don't want to pay him $50 million. So I think it would actually hurt the running back situation and their current predicament. But I was thinking about an idea, if they're all going to bandy together and they're all going to do this thing where running backs uh, you know, act as if they have immense value across the NFL, almost as if they're going to form their own running back union, I was thinking about the idea whether or not running backs could establish pitch counts. And when I was thinking about this idea, I was thinking about Nick Chubb in particular, because Nick Chubb is, in my estimation, a different running back than, let's say, Derrick Henry. Two years ago, Derek Henry had 27 carries a game. Nick Chubb had 16 carries a game. It was 11-carry difference, and it was one of the talking points that a lot of people, including people on this radio station, used as a jab at the Browns to kind of poke at Kevin Stefanski, like, wait a second. You got the talented running back, one of the best running backs the organization has seen since Jim Brown. Since Jim Brown, arguably uh, one of the best running backs we have of this generation, and he's just not being used at the same rate as some of these other top-tier running backs. That was the rhetoric, and that's okay. That was fine, but I was thinking about it with pitch counts in particular because something interesting happened in baseball a few years back. Remember Johan Santana? The Mets pitcher, now Terry Collins famously left him in for a no-hitter. And in years since, they said Santana pleaded with him. He wanted to stay in. He wanted the no-hitter. 134 pitches is what he got out there. 134 pitches through the no-hitter was never the same after the fact. We have had countless books written about the amount of pitches you can have in in a baseball game thrown by a starter before you start to have injury. 130 seems to be the number that is thrown out there often. 135 is the real dangerous number. But that's why in baseball, when you watch these games right now, it used to be that pitchers go 130, 140, 150. Now Shane Bieber gets to 95 and the Guardians are like, looks like we got to get him out of here. Now you get to 100 pitches and, and, and managers are, they're very swift and they're very quick to take some of these guys out and say, nah, you've had enough. You never see anybody go to 135. And if you saw somebody pitch 135 as a starter, The manager in the post-game interview would be lit up. It'd be a firing squad from the media. They would be asking him questions into the oblivion, being like, how could you possibly do this to him? How could you go ahead and have this player be out there for 135 pitches? Don't you know better? You should know better. Why don't you know better? It doesn't happen. Even the dumbest of dumb managers don't go to 130, 135 pitches. And... I'm wondering if Nick Chubb might be the guinea pig for what we do with running back pitch counts. Because Nick Chubb has effectively been on a pitch count the entire time he's been with the Browns. We haven't called it that. We haven't looked at it that way. But it's 15 to 20 carries. And you usually know exactly what he's going to get. The Browns, though, in my estimation, were doing this uh, because they were trying to conserve Nick Chubb. They're trying to make sure that Nick Chubb can get to that number that I'll talk about in a little bit, 1,500 carries. PFF has deemed it as 1,500 carries. They can get to 1,500 and not fall off like every other running back in NFL history has. Well, Nick Chubb's a year and a half away from hitting 1,500 carries. Dalvin Cook just got there this offseason. I do believe it's part of the reason why Dalvin Cook is still a free agent. But Nick Chubb is very close. He's knocking on the door. And I wonder whether or not the Browns should still be conserving Chubb or do you just get the max out of him this year? Do you still put him on that pitch clock? Do you still say 15 carries? And do you look at Nick Chubb's future and say, we want him to be a running back that is solid at 31, 32. We are trying to stretch how long you can make these running backs be great. Or do you say he's approaching that 1500 number? He's approaching the number that PFF has deemed running backs don't come back from Maybe we need to go ahead and max out what we, we can get out of Nick Chubb until he hits that point, and then we'll rip the band-aid off. 216 92 On Twitter, there you can find me. I am at J. Peterlin. Should the Browns be conserving Chubb, or do you get the max out of him this year? We'll continue on this road. Ton to get to today. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterlin here with you. on the fan. back out of here on Overtime with John of the Beatle. i glad you guys could be with me here tonight. Should the Browns be conserving Nick Chubb or do you get the max out of him this year? I'm going to bring up pro football focus. At first, I was floating around the idea of a pitch count for running backs, something that could effectively save the position in a lot of ways. And I was wondering, I'm like, oh, all right, so you have these pitch counts, kind of like you know, baseball starters have pitch counts as well, and then you max them out. Let's say it's 15 carries. I think Nick Chubb will be the guinea pig for this for a lot of GMs as they look to not only try to find value in running backs, but also find value for years on end, especially if they're going to be cheaper. If the running back position, if the very best running backs are going to be $8, 9000000 million a year, and you can have the same guy and, and actually make it to age 31, 32, based off of 15 carries a year, or excuse me, a game, we might be knocking on the door or something. The, the Browns might be trailblazers in this aspect. Why it was fundamentally stupid... Previously is when, if the running back money was going to continue to go up and up and up and you're going to pay a running back the price of what a DeAndre Hopkins is, then you weren't going to max out the value. Again, Tennessee looked at Derrick Henry and said, we are going to make sure your knees look like oatmeal when this is all said and done. We don't care. They used him the way most organizations use employees in 2023. We're going to get the most out of you as we possibly can. If it means your mental health ain't great, we don't really care. If it means that uh, you don't get to see your family as much, we don't really care. It's just that's uh, that's the bottom line. That's the cost of doing business. But there are other places to work that really put a value on that type of thing. That's why a lot of people go work at Google, for instance. It's why they work at uh, Amazon, different places like that where it's like, wait, uh, not only do you have rooms to make sure that you get rest, naps, whatever you need, uh, they got your lunch taken care of, they have all sorts of different amenities, it's like they care about these things. It's all about the approach. And, and the Titans took the approach of we are going to work you into the ground and we don't care if at 27 years old you are about as useful as three days old Chinese food. It's no value to anybody. We don't care. It's fine. You can be garbage. It doesn't matter to us. We will have used you and gotten rid of you. That's why this offseason they look for trades. Whereas the Browns took the long-term approach with Nick Chubb. They took the, we want not only want to give you a second contract, we want to see you get a third contract as well. And by limiting the amount of carries that you get, we hope that we don't put too much wear and tear on the tires and you can average over five yards of pop and you can do it for a very long time. Because instead of going through and drafting and getting a bunch of new young running backs every three, four years, and then changing them out. We'd rather just have the same guy we can stay with. And I don't think the Browns were so clairvoyant to know that this running back devaluation was going to happen the way that it has, considering they did give Nick Chubb a contract that is the equivalent of two really good starters on the defensive side of the ball. They already have paid Nick Chubb. The amount of guaranteed money he had at signing bonus... For his contract, put him at fifth in the NFL. And it was third before two running backs were taken in this year's draft. But what did the Browns do this year? couple things at play this year that's different. Coaches are legitimately coaching for their job. And they might be looking at Nick Chubb and saying, maybe we can get value elsewhere. And if we can get value elsewhere, maybe because we have to win as many games as we possibly can, Maybe we use you the way that the Titans were using Derrick Henry until at least Deshaun Watson gets his feet wet and knows how to do everything that we need him to do. Let's win some games early. AFC North games early on. They're going to be expecting Deshaun Watson to throw the ball a million times. Maybe we unleash Nick Chubb in a way that we've always wanted to unleash Nick Chubb. 216474 to below 92. Alfonso going to lead us off here on the fan. Hello, Alfonso. How are you today?
1: I am doing swell, actually.
0: Swell, very good. All right, I like that. What's up, man? All right, so you said they're going to, you said about the Titans thing. I agree with what you said about Derrick Henry. But for the first five games, you know, Deshaun, you know, last year what we saw from 3 and 3, 7 and 5, not the best, but okay. They're probably going to use him a lot. Like he's probably, probably at the end of the game, he'll get like 13 to 14 carries. Just because, and this is not going to happen all season, just for the first five games, only because of this reason. Deshaun, you know, he's going to be warmed up. And like you said, A.C. North teams like the Bengals and the Steelers, you know they're going to be looking to throw him a million times. You don't need them to throw a million times if Nick Chubb is good and the defense plays concerned. I agree with you, but are you going to are you going to run Nick Chubb into the ground then until we get no. to that point?
1: No, you're not going to. You're not going to because if, if because if you see
0: improvements from Watson, one Chubb's doing his thing, then you're going to be like, okay, he doesn't need to be getting all these carries. Deshaun could just take him from here. Mm. All right, thank you, Alfonso. I appreciate you, man. You know, it's interesting about that. You know, yesterday I said I think the perfect recipe for the Browns this year, and I think what they're truly aiming for is the first three quarters, Deshaun Watson goes out there and balls out. And then in the fourth quarter, Nick Chubb comes in, and Nick Chubb, one of the best fourth quarter running backs in all football in his career, comes in there and is, is the exclamation point of the games. Winds out the clock eats up a lot of time, continues to move the chains, and doesn't let other teams back into the game. I think that's the perfect recipe for this team. But I wonder what's going to happen with Nick Chubb, and in particular with this coaching staff, this upcoming season, especially if Deshaun Watson looks anything close to what he looked like in the six games last year for the early stretch of the season. Because this is not a coaching staff that can afford to with everyone you're playing, everyone in the AFC North in the first four weeks of the season, All three teams. You got the Ravens in there. You got the Bengals in there. You got the Steelers in there. You you take on a gauntlet in the first five weeks of the season before that bye week. I don't know that you can afford to get off to a slow start. And I don't know that you necessarily should be putting the reins on Nick Chubb. But I don't know exactly what they're going to do. And that's what I find fascinating. 216474 to below 92. Now I told you guys about Pro Football Focus and their number, right? And this is where the pitch the pitch count idea partly got generated from. So Pro Football Focus, a couple years ago, they came up with the number 1,500 touches. There's not a single running back, according to their data, that after 1,500 touches has been useful, has been good, right? 1,500 is the number. Nick Chubb's a couple hundred touches away from that. Dalvin Cook hit that number this off season, and I do think the data by PFF is part of the reason why. And Dalvin Cook will get signed, whether that's the Dolphins, whether that's I don't know who it is. Going, I have no idea. Dolphins would be my guess right now, but again, who's to say? I think that's a strong reason though why the Dolphins didn't just back up the Brink's truck and say, hey, or, or do that, uh, do the blank check thing, where they just they just throw the checkbook across the room and say, fill in your number and we can go from there. I, I just I, I think the reason why they didn't do that and why they were off on the money initially is because Dalvin Cook's hit that threshold. Dalvin Cook is at 1,500. So in NFL eyes, he's going to be devalued because we've never seen somebody do it the same way that Nick Chubb is uh, being able to approach this. Nick Chubb, in the five seasons that he's been a pro it's amazing it's only been five if you think about it for some reason in my mind it feels like nick chubb has been a pro for 15 years my goodness for the five years he's been in the nfl he has 12 in year one 18 in year two 15 in year three 16 in year four 17 attempts per game in year five, he has straddled that line between anywhere from 15 to 18 touches at any given part of his uh, career, with the exception of his rookie season, when he was just getting his feet wet. And that was, remember, that was when uh, Hugh Jackson really didn't even trust him. Trust him. He had the Oakland game in there where he had three touches for like 100 yards. And they, and uh, Hugh Jackson was still like, I don't know. I don't know if this guy is in. It's like, hey, shut up, Hugh. Come on. Like, he's, he's so obviously great. Just give him the football. But... He has been used sparingly in the time that he's been in Cleveland. And I don't know if it's intentional. I truly don't. But I wonder with this coaching staff and what they have to do this season, I wonder if they're going to treat Nick Chubb just a little bit different. And I wonder if they could be the beginning of how NFL teams look at these running backs and how they use these running backs. You telling me a bunch of running backs, we've seen basically every one of them cry in the previous 24 hours. I thought, did Garrett Blunt, didn't he like, didn't he, he compared himself to one of the characters in a Bug's Life? Did you see that? The hell was he doing out there? A Bug's Life? He's like, oh yeah, I'm one of the little ants and the owners are the big mean people. What? I'm all about going back from like weird references from 20 years ago. But like, what do we, what do we do? A Bug's Life? There was two big ant movies at the time. It was Bug's Life and. The second less popular one was the one, was it called Ants? I think it's called Ants. It was just straight up called Ants, right? It was easily the least popular of the two. A Bug's Life came in there and just completely dominated. And then Ants was like, good, but it was clearly living off the, you know, it was living off A Bug's Life. And if we're going to take this a step further, a B movie, Jerry Seinfeld, that was the best of all of them. Jerry was good in that. Jerry Technology was, was better, too. Yeah. It was another era in Pixar. Sure, he got the leg up in that, but Jerry was legitimately funny. He was he was good. He was good. I always liked Jerry Seinfeld, though. I've always... As liked, a bee, that is pretty hilarious in concept. I mean, come on. Could you imagine? you imagine Jerry getting the script, like, here's what's going to happen. You're going to play this bee, and this bee's going to have real human problems, and that's the joke. And he's like, that's the joke? Yeah, that's the joke. So can I do the what's the deal with no, 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 none of that stuff. None of that stuff. We're just we're just doing we're doing B problems. okay? can you do B problems? And we're going to make a bunch of B puns and B jokes because no one's ever written a whole movie about bees. And so there's a lot of material out there. okay? okay. but you got you got all sorts of wackadoodles out there and running backs just comparing themselves to Pixar movies, comparing themselves to all sorts. what are we doing here? that's the running back market right now. The running back market is in turmoil because they don't know how to save the fact that they're devalued as hell at the current moment. I'd say look to the Browns. I'm going to steal another Seinfeld thing, look to the cookie. Look to the Browns. It's as simple as that. Look to the Browns. They might have the answer. If Nick Chubb is used the same way he's been used in the previous five years, this upcoming season, and then is able to actually be good for a couple years more, three, four years more, because he wasn't used like Derrick Henry was, we might have a whole new idea of how you get max value out of some of these running backs. And again, Stump Mitchell was on yesterday, with, and Stump Mitchell was like, six yards per attempt, that's what's going to happen for Nick Chubb this upcoming season. He's going to lead the re- league in rushing while not having anywhere close to 100 100 attempts fewer than anyone else that's uh, you know, close up in that ranking. It's like, what? He's going to do what? Yeah, there's a lot of belief in Nick Chubb. And there's a reason why he's never in his entire career averaged fewer than five yards per attempt on the ground. It's insane. Because he's been able to be fresh. He's been able to be taken care of because the Browns have treated him like a nice Fabergé egg. They've taken care of him. But I wonder if this all goes out the window. Because if they understand that they've gotten the value that they can out of them, and now they might as well just run this car into the ground, so to speak. Now they can just go ahead. They can run this Nick Chubb wear and tear on the tires until he can't do anymore. Because this is the season that you've been building it all up for. This is the year, if ever, when you hit the turbo to go ahead and use it all. Will the coaching staff put their own interest above Nick Chubb's long-term best interest this season? 2-1-6-4-7-4-00-92. And I do think it is in their best interest to use Nick Chubb an awful ton, especially because a lot of these teams aren't going to be seeing this coming. They're not going to be thinking about it happening, and then Nick Chubb would turn around and he'd be doing just that. We'll continue on with this, 216 92 On Twitter there, you can find me. I am at Jay Piedlin. We'll also get into just a big-picture conversation about the running backs and what exactly happens. Can this be fixed, or does the NFL have a problem? That and more. It's Overtime with Jonathan Piedlin here with you on The Fan. All righty, back in here on The Fan. It is Overtime with Jonathan Piedlin. I guess I'm just curious. I'm curious if the Browns are going to be conserving Chubb, or do you get the max out of him this year? If the way the NFL is changing and the way the NFL is moving, will the Browns coaching staff be tipping their hand a little bit based off of what they do with Nick Chubb? Now, I think they got to go ahead and they got to empty it all out. And if it means they got to use Nick Chubb an absolute ton because Deshaun Watson maybe isn't as ready as people want him to be, especially out of the gate with all those AFC North games right away, I think you just got to do what you got to do. But in years past, we never would have seen Kevin Savansky pull that trigger. In years past, they worried. You can tell by the attempts per game, they worried about what happens with Nick Chubb. They worry about what happens with the longevity of his career. And I wonder now, with the way that the current climate in the NFL is and and how the running back conversation is changing, I do wonder if the Browns are just going to say, listen, We think you only got a couple hundred carries left based off of the data that Pro Football Focus has. If 1,500 is their magic number and he's at 1,300, maybe you got a couple hundred carries left before we see an actual drop-off. We need to win this year. We're going to go ahead and and just use you as much as we possibly can, a la Derrick Henry a couple years ago with the Titans. And if that's in our best interest, that's in our best interest. Especially if Deshaun Watson isn't great out of the gate. You have the second best offensive line entering the season, according to PFF. I think the threat of Deshaun Watson with the deep pass is going to open up a lot of things for Nick Chubb just in general. So if Nick Chubb is, he's going to have an he's going to have an awesome opportunity this year to just be great. But I am curious to find out what that coaching staff will do. Two one six four seven four below ninety two Scott and Menner up next on the Fan. Hello, Scott. Hi, Jonathan. How you doing? Hey, what's up, Scott?
1: So. You know, with this Chubb, I think that, um, you know, if he gets 16 carries or 22, like, what's the difference? Like, he's, he's still healthy as not, as far as I've seen, and he's not going anywhere. So I think him and the Browns can work out a good deal that where they both, you know, they both uh, win at the end. And um, I, I don't see him wanting to leave for the money. I, I don't think that's who he is.
0: I proposed in the past. I wondered, Scott, if he would take like a hometown discount of sorts and then stay for I like think, uh, six well, or seven million.
1: The, yeah, with the way the uh, running, back, uh, running back market is, is going, I think that um, what are we talking about? A couple million dollars difference if to go somewhere else? I don't. I don't think that's him. I think
0: he wants to stay here. I think anywhere, if he went somewhere else, and I appreciate I appreciate the call, Scott, as always. Uh, if he went anywhere else, I think it'd be. Joe Mixon staying with the Bengals, obviously Nick Chubb's a much better quarterback than Joe Mixon is. There's no doubt about that. But Joe Mixon's contract with incentives is worth a decent coin. But there's a lot of incentives in there. I think if the Browns were to keep Nick Chubb, I think they would do something similar. Not necessarily the five to seven million dollars, more like maybe let's say six to eight million dollars that can reach maybe ten to eleven with incentives. Somewhere around there seems to be about right for Nick Chubb. That's just the truth of the situation. Chubb averaged 5.6 yards per carry in 2020. That was insane. In the Super Bowl era with over 150 attempts, I've got five players to average over six yards per carry. It's a who's who. It's Adrian Peterson in his MVP season. It's OJ. It's Barry Sanders. All these ridiculously good running backs. And Nick Chubb is right there with all of them. There's just no other way to put it. He's got a dominant offensive line again. He's got Deshaun Watson. This year's set up for him. But I wonder if the coaching staff will take the truest advantage of this. Like, am I crazy and wondering whether or not what Stefanski does this season with Chubb will be a sign as to whether or not he senses he needs to win now? Part of me wonders if Stefanski before was thinking and moving in Chubb's best interest, but will he be putting his own best interest in front of Chubb's this year? What's good for Chubb is not necessarily uh, not necessarily what's best for a coaching staff that is on the hot seat. You know, someone tells Stefanski the train's leaving the station. No more pitch counts. The game calls for 14 straight runs, like what Arthur Smith did in that Falcons game. I, I was convinced Arthur Smith is a good head coach after that game and that game alone. Remember that game? Arthur Smith was like, "Oh, 14 straight times. That's what we got to throw. Okay, or that's what we got to run." Uh, Browns couldn't stop a cold. Let's go, let's keep doing this. And he was right. The, the Browns... Couldn't stop the Golden Girls in the backfield, okay? There is, there was no, there was no, we had nothing. We had nothing in the interior of the D-line. And so they just kept running the ball. 14 straight times they ran the ball at one point in that game. We had a practice squad running back turn into Walter Payton, right in the, right in the field, right before our very eyes. Imagine if they had Bijan Robinson last year. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, I think that game alone was probably one where if I were, if I were the Falcons, I would have looked at that game and said, wait, we can take anybody and turn them into seven yards a pop? What am, I, what am I taking BJ, B. John Robinson for? Well, because Bijan Robinson is that talented and that good, they're hoping that they can get a lot out of him. I I like the pick. I don't know if I like the pick for the Falcons. That's, I'll leave that one up there, and we can address that one later on. The point, though, is that I don't know that Kevin Stefanski would do that. But Kevin Stefanski, when you are coaching for your job, you tend to do things you'd never do before. If I was doing this radio show, like my radio career depended on it, I was like, "Oh no! I mean, I gotta get this thing going." Fortunately, ratings are really good. We're very happy. The people tell me they're very happy. We're we're in, we're in good shape. No worries. We're in very good shape. But if I was doing this radio show, like and my life was dependent on it. Uh, Are you kidding me? No, I'd I'd like to do every radio show as if my life was depending on it, as if I was like this, uh, you know, leave it all on, on the field type mentality. And so I like to have no regrets in that regard, and I like to feel like I gave it my all, and that's why you don't see me phoning in. But let's be honest about it. If you think you're losing your job, you're working a little bit harder at work? Of course you are. Are you going into your reserves a little bit more? Are you calling in more favors in order to make sure that you stand out and you look good in front of your bosses or anybody you have to look good for? That's what Kevin Stefanski's gotta do this year. He's gotta pull all the strings. You know, in the past, if he wanted to be this awesome players coach that was looking out for the player in Nick Chubb, he's gotta kick that to the curb because looking out for Nick Chubb's gonna get his ass fired. Gonna get him on the, you know, updating his LinkedIn page. He doesn't want that. Nobody wants that. Well, I shouldn't say nobody. Some of you guys want that out there. But like, nobody with the last name Stefanski wants that. He wants to keep his job. You know, if they told me, Jonathan, you got one week, one week to do awesome set of shows, and we're gonna base your job based off of that. I am calling every person I've ever met in my life to make sure I got the best guests, to make sure that I have the best content, to make sure that I am doing the very, very best for that week. Kevin Zabansky knows entering this year. He's got one year. He's got one year, and he's gotta be able to piece it all together. You know, Terry Francona. Terry Francona, game five. Last year, the ALDS went with Savali over Bieber to protect Bieber's arm. The move got critically panned. He got destroyed nationally for that move, and he got destroyed locally by myself for that move. It was a dumb, dumb decision, and I'll stand by it being a dumb, dumb decision. But he was looking out for Bieber's health. We can argue about whether that was the right move or wrong move a different day, but he was going to be a players coach in that moment. Kevin Sapansky's got no time to be a players coach. Kevin Stefanski has got to be a Kevin Stefanski coach at this point, point. and if that means he runs Nick Chubb fifteen times straight because that's what the game plan calls for, because he's up against a team that can't stop a run, then you got to do that. You got to do that if you're Stefanski. 2-1-6-4-7-4-0-92. BP and Pepper Pike, up next in the fan. Hello, BP. How are you tonight? Hey, Jonathan. How you doing, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. Congrats on the summer league title, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I I was very
1: pleased. I you know. I don't know if, uh, you know, your listeners think it's a big deal, but I actually thought it was a pretty big deal. You know, that it, you know, just, it's good to see these guys win and they play together. And I mean, Imani Bates was a great story. Mobley, Isaiah Mobley was a great story. Sam Merrill and even,
0: you know, some of the other guys. I, I, just, uh, BP, was, I just, I know you care. I know you care is all. What's your, what's your thoughts on Chubb? What do you got?
1: You know, Nick Chubb, I mean, I agree. I think they, they, they almost baby him. Like they have him in like, you know, bubble wrap and. You know it's time to you know turn them loose. You know, like even that Jets game. I mean, you know, I I wish he ran out of you know if he just you know sat on the three yard line, we would have won that game. That game ruined our season. I hate to go back to the Jets game, but and that wasn't his fault. I think the coaches should have told him, you know, hey, you know, if you busted up the you know middle like run, you know, take a knee and run out the clock. But I just I'm you know I grew up in the era of OJ Simpson, Franco Harris. The running backs were superstars. You know, they were the NFL. And, you know, I had a poster of O.J. Simpson on my wall and Franco Harris back in the day. That's how far back I go with running backs, you know. Mm -hmm. Now they're being completely, uh, you know, like, you know, frowned upon. And, you know, it's almost like I I couldn't believe some of the the tweets from, like, uh, you know, uh, Derek Henry yesterday. He was saying, why don't you guys just, you know, outlaw the running back position because they're not treating them with respect and they're not getting paid. It's it's completely changed.
0: Completely changed, B.P.
1: Yeah. And that to me, that was like the beauty of the NFL. Guys like Earl Campbell, Franco Harris, like Larry Zonka. I mean, that was the NFL. And you know, like this, you know, three, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust, Jim Brown. I mean, you know, Gail Sayers, you know, Walter Payton. And now these guys are just being like, you know, I can't believe, you know, like Dalvin Cook hasn't been signed yet. It's been over a month. Kareem, forget about Kareem Hunt. I mean, he, he may not even play this season. I thought he was really valuable, but I guess not when today's NFL.
0: Yeah, it's just different, and BP, I appreciate you as always. Uh, it's it's a different game, and I want to touch on that, 216-474-0092 on Twitter. There you can find me. I am at Jay Peterlin. Can we fix the running back money problem? We spent an hour talking about Nick Chubb, but can we fix the actual problem with the position, or are we going to have a situation on our hands where nobody wants to be a running back growing up, and so we're not going to have running backs anymore? Are they going to go the way of the dodo bird? 4 92 We'll continue on with that. First, it is just about time though for the Browns to get to work. So make sure you know the latest from the voices that you trust. Daryl Ryder, Andy Baskin, they have you covered with their podcast. It's called It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. You can find it on the Odyssey app or of course on our website, 923thefan.com.